So we, uh, we continue, alhamdulillah, mashallah. Uh, we finished the uh, book of fasting last week, and uh, we start the book of Hajj. We've made a significant progress through the book, mashallah, and uh, we're currently going to start with hadith number uh, 1271 shortly out of uh, uh, 1896 or so a hadith. So we're, we're, we're a significant way through the book. So again, the point of the dars is not necessarily to talk about the fiqh of what it is we're talking about, but the spiritual dimensions. Obviously, since Nawawi compiled the book, and he's not only a Shafi'i, he's like the Shafi'i, probably after Imam Shafi'i himself, uh, the most important person in the Shafi'i madhab. Uh, from an outsider's perspective, it may seem like that at any rate, you know, at some time. And for more details, ask your local uh, learned Shafi'i scholar. But uh, he talks about how it is that a person should spiritually engage with these acts of worship, and so we'll see. We'll see. There's a couple. There's a lot of a lot you can learn from from these hadith that are more than just a fiqh. And then afterward, a person can learn the fiqh as well. Although learning it from beforehand will it will allow you to pull pull more and extract more benefit from it. Kitab al-Hajj, Babu Wujub al-Hajji wa Fadlihi. It's the book of Hajj and the chapter re- regarding the the Wujub, the uh, uh, obligation of Hajj and its virtue. قال الله تعالى ولله على الناس حج البيت من استطاع إليه سبيلا ومن كفر فإن الله غني عن العالمين. The recitation of the the Kufis of Asim is ولله على الناس حج البيت. It's حج البيت النافع. The Madani recitation is حج البيت. And both of them بمعنى واحدة. They they have one meaning, same meaning. That Allah Ta'ala, it's owed to Allah, it belongs to Allah, it's His right that people should make Hajj to the sacred house. Obviously Hajj has more to do, to do with more than the Kaaba, Arafat and Mina and all these places, there's no Kaaba involved in, in that, right? The Tawaf is one part of it, but because of the Ghalaba and the overwhelming um, importance of the Kaaba out of all of those rituals, then uh, the Hajj is tied to the bait. This comes to another Mas'ala, which is what, which is the most? Afdal, which is the most uh, um, virtuous part of the Hajj. So the Atharis, the, the Ahlul Hadith, their, their uh, opinion is and their focus is on Arafat because the Hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Al-Hajj Arafah, that Hajj is Arafah. And uh, what I would say in favor of this point is that nobody will deny that Arafat is a critical control point in Hajj. Meaning every other ritual of Hajj, if you miss it, there's a way of like somehow making it up or delaying it or whatever. Or paying a penalty on its behalf. Um, If you cannot pay a penalty on its behalf, you can do it over, you can do it later, you can fix it somehow. Whereas Arafat, if you missed it, then then it's next year. You have to wait till next year, Arafat. You can make Qadar of the Hajj, but the Hajj is gone. 
So in that sense, it's a critical control point. But the, the most virtuous part of the Hajj is what uh, Malik Rahimullah Ta'ala says is the Tawaf al-Ifada, the Fard Tawaf of Hajj. Um, and uh, one of the proofs for that is what? Is that the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam attributed to him that the uh, Tawaf is to Hajj like Sajda is to the Salat. And it's known that the Sajda is the, the part of the Salat that the slave is closest to the Lord. And the tawaf is also a farth part of hajj. If a person delays it, they can do it later, but without it, the hajj is not complete. And uh, here in the, uh, in the ayah uh, regarding its wujub in Surah Ali Imran, Allah Ta'ala says that Allah Ta'ala has owed the hajj, hajj to the house. It doesn't say the hajj to Arafah. And uh, Allah, Allah Ta'ala knows best. And so the word hajj uh, means qasd. It means the, the original meaning, the literal meaning of the word hajj in the Arabic language, it means uh, for, to, make a, to, to make a target out of something, to make a goal out of something. Uh, and so then in the Sharia, it's used uh, to speak about a particular pilgrimage that a person leaves from their home with a particular goal in, their, in, in mind. So it's Allah Ta'ala's right on all people that they should make hajj to his holy house, uh, those that are able to uh, literally the person who has the ability to uh, find a path to it meaning what? that the person who has enough physical health to make it there and has enough money to pay for their expenses and there is a sabil sabil there is a path to hajj that they can they have a good uh, idea that they'll be able to make it alive without like loss of life and limb and uh, for much of human history, m- many people didn't have this. You know, the, these shurut and these conditions weren't f- fulfilled with them. But during much of human history, they did. And they just didn't go for it. If you look at Hajj numerically, uh, probably I think like at maximum capacity, it's just a single digit percentage of the Ummah will make it to Hajj. Even though I suspect that a lot more people have the ability to go if they, if they wish to. And uh, you know, the politics, that's above my pay grade and beyond the scope of today's dars. And the economics, again, same thing. But the idea is whether people go or not, this is what the Book of Allah Ta'ala says. The idea, you know, the conception of something has to be correct in the mind first, and then afterward, uh, its execution and its practical, uh, uh, you know, the practical shape and form it will take. That's a secondary matter that's important. You have to talk about it, but the the practical application will form from a correct conception. If the conception in the first place is incorrect, then the practical application has no hope of, of being correct. And uh, to increase the ta'kid, the emphasis on this obligation, Allah Ta'ala says, uh, Literally, whoever commits kufr, whoever commits kufr, Allah Ta'ala is free of need from anyone, from the world meaning any of his creation, it doesn't matter to Allah. He doesn't need you to make hajj. If you do it, it's not going to you know, benefit him. If you don't do it, it's not going to harm him. Um, it's not his problem. It's what? It's our problem. And the word kufr here is used on purpose. Um, the word kufr is a word for severe ingratitude and denial of, uh, denial of gratitude and denial of rights. And it is istilahan used in the language of the Sharia to indicate disbelief. And the ulama say the reason is what? Is that the person who doesn't acknowledge Allah Ta'ala's, because what is it? Wulillahi. That Allah has the right that everybody should 
everybody who's able to find a path to the house should make the hajj of the, the holy house. The idea is not, or sorry, the, 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 the first half of the ayah is not talking about making the hajj, but it's talking about the conception of that it's Allah's right that you should make it there some, some way or another. And whoever denies that, whoever commits kufr in that right, whoever disbelieves in that right, Allah Ta'ala has no need for you. Allah is ghani, he has, he's free of need from anyone from uh, any of his creation. And so that's, that's the thing is that a person should think, you know, like this is a right that Allah Ta'ala has over me. Have I made it? Have I not made it yet? وعن ابن عمر رضي الله تعالى عنهما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال بني الإسلام على خمس شهادة لا إله إلا الله وشهادة لا إله إلا الله وأن محمدا رسول الله وإقام الصلاة وإيتاء الزكاة وحج البيت وصوم رمضان متفق عليه سيدنا عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله تعالى عنه narrates that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said that Islam is built on five uh, on the witness and the testimony that there is uh, no one worthy of worship other than Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu wasallam is the messenger of Allah and the establishment of the prayer and the giving of zakat and the uh, hajj of the sacred house uh, and fasting, uh, the fasting of Ramadan and it's a hadith narrated both by Muslim and by uh, Bukhari and you know hopefully it's not a news flash for anybody these are things that people know from before, but uh, it's important to repeat them and remind them, lest people say, well, I know that it's in one ear and out the other. Uh, in another hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, it's mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ said, man mata wa lam yahujja falyamut insha'a yahudiyan o nasraniyan that the Rasul ﷺ said, whoever dies without having made hajj. Here, meaning what? First accepted the obligation of hajj and second made it if they were able to go. Obviously exempting those who were not able to make it. He says, whoever dies and didn't make Hajj, that person let them die if they wish to as a Jew and if they wish to as a Christian. Meaning what? That this, these are harsh words, are strong words. Meaning the, the not taking this seriously is, is it one of the differences between a Muslim and between a, a non-Muslim. That if they wish to, let them, uh, let them die as a Jew and if they wish to, let them die as a Christian. And uh, uh, these are these are strong words. There's a great emphasis in this uh, in this hadith about the importance of Hajj. وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه قال خطبنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال يا أيها الناس إن الله قد فرض عليكم الحج فحجوا قال الرجل كل عام يا رسول الله فسكت حتى قالها ثلاثا فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لو قلت نعم لوجبت ولم استطعتم ثم قال ذروني ما تركتكم فإنما هلك من كان قبلكم بكثرة سؤالهم واختلافهم على أنبيائهم فإذا أمرتكم بشيء فأتوا منه ما استطعتم وإذا نهيتكم عن شيء فدعوه رواه مسلم So the hadith of Sayyidina Abu Hurairah رضي الله تعالى عنه The front half of it has to do with Hajj The back half of it has to do with what has been described uh, 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 as kalim from the comprehensive speech of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and uh, what has been described as one of the most uh, important foundations on which Islam is built and it's about more than just Hajj that the Abu Hurairah said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam once he gave a khutbah he was g- giving a uh, 
a sermon. And he says, oh, oh, oh people, indeed Allah Ta'ala has made an obligation over you to make hajj. So make hajj, fahujju. Right? Hajja yahujju. This is, by the way, small aside for those of you, I'm assuming that you guys have all taken some type of Arabic like Nahu and Sarf and all this other stuff, or that, inshallah, you'll do it one day. Inshallah, you guys will do it one day. Maryam, turn around. You'll do it one day, inshallah. Right? Which is what? The fail Amr. It's a very easy way to make it. Just make the majzoom of the fa'il and then chop the front front part off. Very easy. A lot of people miss this. This is a dispute between the Kufans and the Basrans, right? The 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 the, the Basrans say, well, the fa'il amr is a completely different species of like sarf, and the Kufans are like, no, just chop the front off, and it works every time. Works like a charm. No confusion whatsoever, at all, right? Hajja yahujju fa hujju. Very easy. So he says that, that Allah Ta'ala says, right that you should, uh, he sorry, made an obligation uh, over you that you should make hajj, so make hajj. Faqala uh, Rajul, and so a man said, uh, is that every year that we're going to, that we have to make hajj? And he said, and the Prophet Sallallahu was quiet, and then the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he asked him the same question three times. And the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then said, if I said yes, and it became wajib on you to go every year, you wouldn't have been able to in the past and you still wouldn't be able to. Lama stata'atum. Lama is the nafi of both the past and the present simultaneously. Lama is for the past. Lama is the same. It makes the afterward majzum. In terms of nahu and the, the meaning is what? Is that you wouldn't have been able to do it in the past. You still won't be able to do it. You still won't be able to do it. And then the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, and this is the, the qa'idah kulliyah that a person should remember. He says, leave me as much as I've left you. Like if there's something that I gave you some leeway in it, right? Don't get up on it and try to like be super taqwa in that moment and like make everything so hard. He says, just leave it. If there's some, something that I left you with, like, you know, that, that some relaxation in a particular... Uh, in a particular uh, uh, commandment or prohibition, just leave me. Don't, don't try to like, squeeze it out of me. Because those who came before you were destroyed by nothing other than asking too many questions and going back and forth and like trying to nitpick their prophets in, term, in, in terms of these types of details. He says, when I command you to something, do, do it as much as you're able to. And when I forbid you from something, then leave it completely. Rawahu uh, Muslim. This comes to like kind of a because it's a book about what it's a book about the spiritual path. It's not necessarily like the po- the point of it of the this hadith and the point of all of it. It's not only that. Okay, look, Hajj is farther. Right? You all knew that before you came here. Right? Everybody knew that. If you did it, you're a kafir. Right? You're not a Muslim. You're going to go to the church. You're going to go to the synagogue. You're not going to come to like Riyadh Salihin unless maybe you're trying to give me the good news of like the Gospels or whatever. Right? But this has to do with an idea that we have, mashallah, in, in the modern education system, which is there's no such thing as a stupid question. And 
this is what I would like to refer to as like, like uh, 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 adab deniers, you know, like fat earthers. They deny that the world is round. There are, you know, anti-maskers that deny that, like, you know, like you should wear a mask when there's like whatever pandemic that's killing people. I, you know, and I don't want to get into that. It's like, I can understand, you know, why wearing masks in certain, like at the hospital or whatever makes sense. I don't particularly know why you have them on in an airplane and then take them off to eat for half an hour and then put them back. But whatever, whatever. Right. So there's a group of people, they don't believe in God, they don't, you know, they're atheists, right? There's a group of people, they don't believe in Adab. Adab is not a thing, they never talk about it, pretend it never exists. It's not a thing, right? And for the anti-Adab or the, the uh, uh, whatever, Adab-denying community, there's no such thing as a stupid question. But this is something that Mufti Palanpuri, rahimahullah ta'ala, the former, uh, whatever, the former uh, Shaykh al-Hadith of the Darulum and Deoband, he passed away in 2020. Allah Ta'ala have mercy on him and raise his rank. Um, he would say when question answer uh, was there, and he appreciated good questions. He say, if it's a dumb question, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna answer it. And he would like talk about the different types of dumb questions. And so like you know like my favorite, the one I remember, right? I don't remember the entire list, but the one I remember he says, "Yeto zehni ayashiye." He goes, "This is just this is just your intellectual like." You're just uh, uh, your intellectual like uh, hedonism. You're trying to show how smart you are by asking this question. You're trying to enjoy something that has nothing to do with the topic or learning it. Some people ask questions to be like, "Oh, look how smart I am." Some people ask questions to beat around the bush. Some people are asking questions literally. They're showing how like how little they've understood about like anything, right? Now, if a person mistakenly does something like that, I think a little bit of correction and chastisement is part of the learning process. But a person should also think, they should screen, you know? Not everything that you want to say, you should say it, you know? You should think about stuff before you say it. And this also has something to do with uh, a, a, a concept which is lost on a lot of people. And perhaps those who are in attendance don't need to, like, take this lesson. And the ones who do need to take this, uh, you know, lesson are, are not in attendance there learning about Islam on TikTok or something like that right now, right? Which is, there's like a lot of nonverbal cues that you pick up from people. Those are for your own good. Mashallah, the, I, I see like this crew is, mashallah, the group of people that are going to end up interacting in their life with a lot of sheikhs, inshallah, one day, right? You meet a lot of mashayikh and things like that. So they have kind of a different way of doing things. You have to pick up nonverbal cues because sometimes you ask questions so dumb the sheikh will give you an opportunity to like save yourself from like complete and abject embarrassment. And one of those cues is what? When you ask a question and you have no reason to believe they didn't hear what you said and they're still quiet. What did the Rasul Sallallahu do? He was quiet. The whole point, what's the function? The function of scissors is to cut stuff, right? The function of a screwdriver is to screw in nails, right? It's not to hammer them. That's the function of a hammer, right? What's the function of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? is to deliver the message of Allah Ta'ala to his creation. So if he's quiet, what does that mean? This is irrelevant. This question is completely irrelevant to what's going on right now, to the message of Islam. So, the questioner, God bless him, you know, like, we learn sometimes the easy way, and also we learn the hard way. As long as we're learning, I guess there's still some khair in it, right? The questioner is what? 
he's not like putting this two and two together, you know. So he asked a third time, he asked a third time. And uh, and what did the Prophet ﷺ do? He told him, he's like, look, what if I had said yes? Right? What if I answered your question, basically? He says, you wouldn't have even been able to do it anyway, so why would you ask? There's no, there's no, there's no reason to ask. And so Ibn Allah writes in his uh, Sharh, he says, That if you have aql, if you have any intellect whatsoever, there's no point in ever asking about something that you're not able to fulfill in the first place because practically it's meaningless. You're not going to be able to do it, right? What if I told you, I said, okay, I want you to go home and run a mile. And you're like, do you want me to run it faster than three minutes or, or more? In, uh, can I have like more than three minutes to run it? Is there any point in asking that question? Unless you cats have been like doing like some crazy steroids or crystal meth in a couple of hours since I've seen you, there's no point in asking that question because you're not able to do it, right? So it's, it's dumb to ask about something you're not going to be able to do. Just in general. Ibn Allah continues, He says, and the second is, don't ask a question, the answer which you don't want to hear. If someone is very sensitive about their weight and they're talking to someone, it's like, Do I, does this dress make me look fat? Right? And the person... I said, I don't want you to, and I don't want you to lie to me. And the person said yes, and then you get all upset afterward. Like, why would you, just don't ask that question in the first place. If you don't want to hear, one thing is you want to hear. You have, you have the courage, you have the strength, you need to know the truth, because I have a mindset, I'm going to like, you know, do something about it. I'm able to do something about it. I can handle it either way. That's different. But if you know you're not going to be able to handle it, don't ask. So uh, uh, he says, he says, Daruni He says, as long as I leave you on a, an issue, like don't get up on you, and like you know, make sure, like, because the Prophet there are certain things that he was very explicit about, right? For example, it's haram to drink alcohol, right? It's haram to drink wine, and he was very, he, he went through a great amount of detail. The person who buys it, the person who sells it, the person who carries it, the person who, you know, bears witness to its contract, the person who writes, you know, like the riba, same thing, you know, like. All of the, uh, there's so many things in the Sharia. He was very particular about spelling out details with regards to it. So in this case, he's like, look, if I didn't, if I don't do that, if I know that there's a need to do that, I'll go ahead and do that. He said, if I'm not doing that, don't, you know, just leave it alone. Like let it, let it be the way it is. Uh, he says because the people before you, they, they were destroyed because of their kathratu su'al. They would ask a lot of questions. Here, what's meant is not asking questions to understand. Here, what's meant is what. Those type of zehni ayashi questions, those type of like intellectual hedonism that you're just asking for the sake of making conversation or whatever, it has no connection to anything that you're actually going to like implement or do in your life. Um, and it's just, you know, you're just making conversation or showing how smart you are or whatever. And going back again and again, you know, to the prophets alayhim salatu aslam. Uh, in order to nitpick stuff like what you know, what's Allah Ta'ala commands you to sacrifice a, 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 a cow. Well, what's how should it be? What color should it be? How should it be? Etc. All this. Why are they asking the questions? Not because they cared, just because they wanted to like prolong the conversation in order to delay doing what it was that, that they're supposed to do. And so, this never, this never works out well.
this never works out well. Um, in fact, especially people who have like corporate jobs and things like that, there's an email trail, you have a whole like documentation. It's better just don't ask details, don't ask about something. If there's like some ambiguity, you can always say I'm sorry later on and like you, know, you never told me or whatever, right? If it works uh, in the corporate world, you know, Yom Qiyama will be right. Yom Qiyama, the record will be kept even better and the rules and policies will be even more fair. Say, if I command you to do something, do it as much as you're able to. Uh, and if I forbid you from, or prohibit you from doing something, then leave it entirely. And uh, the uh, there's a subtle difference between the two. They're not like mirror images of one another. If the Rasul commands you to do something, do it as much as you're able to. If you're not able to, then you're not able to do more. Do as much as you're able to. On the flip side, the thing that the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam prohibit forbade a person from leave it in its entirely. Why? Because all of it and a small amount of it is is going to harm you. And the second thing is this as well, that it's a, a sign, which is one of the precepts that the usuli usulis make about the Sharia, which is that the avoiding harm is in general given priority over gaining benefits. Avoiding harm is given priority over gaining benefit. Right, so someone's like, okay, I can give you a million dollars, but you'll get cancer. It's better leave the million dollars and like just be healthy. Uh, in general, and so that means that doesn't mean that all harm should be avoided for any small amount of benefit, but that there's like an exchange rate between them, and avoiding benefits more valuable, much more valuable than. Sorry, avoiding harm is much more valuable than gaining benefit. This is part of good sense, the good sense of the common sense of a person, which is not as common as one would hope. وَعَنْهُ قَالَ سُئِلَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ أَيُّ الْعَمَلِ أَفْضَلُ قَالَ إِيمَانٌ بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ قِيلَ ثُمَّ مَادَ مَادَ قَالَ الْجِهَادُ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ قِيلَ ثُمَّ مَادَ قَالَ حَجُّ مَبْرُورٌ مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ قَالَ النَّوِيُّ رَحِمُهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى الْمَبْرُورُ هُوَ الَّذِي لَا يَرْتَكِبُ صَاحِبُهُ فِيهِ مَعْصِيَةً Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu again narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was asked which of deeds, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was asked which of deeds is most virtuous. He said belief in Allah and his Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, meaning what? That a person should get gain iman which is more than just a deed. Uh, he said then what? He said to make jihad in the path of Allah ta'ala and we mentioned that we talked about it before uh, very very clearly and there's no need to mention previous disclaimers and then he said then what and then it was said then what he said Hajj Mabrur and now we're and it's a hadith both of Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim and now we rahimullah ta'ala says Mabrur here the meaning of it is what that Hajj in which uh, uh, or that thing in which the person doing that action doesn't commit a sin therein uh, Ibn Allan rahimahullah ta'ala he adds uh, he says that mabrur uh, is the maf'ul of bir wa huwa ta'a mabrur bir means what mabrur is the, the object or the uh, uh, the passive participle of bir which means what which means obedience or what we would translate in English as piety piety is rendering the duties of everyone to whom duties are owed as they're owed. So birrul walidain is rendering the right of your parents to your parents. Bir in every, every matter is what? To render and fulfill rights. 
And so Nawi rahimullah ta'ala says the hajj mabrur, the hajj in which, which piety is executed is what? That hajj in which the person making the hajj doesn't uh, commit any sin. And uh, uh, Ibn Allah, he mentions the second opinion of the ulama uh, that, uh, that uh, it means the hajj which is accepted. It means what the hajj is accepted, al-maqbul. Uh, he says, so in the first case, he gives the detail that, that, that the first case, which is the hajj in which no sin is committed, He says that in the first opinion, that it means that that hajj in which there's no sin committed, uh, great or small, uh, even if a person makes tawbah from it. And in the second opinion, which is what that mabrur means, maqbul, it means accepted. He says, وَعَلَامَةُ الْقُبُولِ أَنْ يَرْجِعَ خَيْرًا مِمَّا كَانَ عَلَيْهِ وَأَنْ يَصِيرَ عَابِدًا بَعْدَ أَنْ كَانَ غَافِلًا He says that the sign of acceptance in, in, in a hajj in, in any deed is what is that a person is better after they do it. They become a better person after they do it than they were from before. And that they worship Allah Ta'ala in those places, remember Allah Ta'ala in those places and at those times that they were previously heedless of him. وعنه رضي الله تعالى عنه قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول من حج فلم يرفث ولم يفسق رجع كيومي ولدته أمه أو كيوما ولدته أمه متفق عليه Bukhari and Muslim both narrated from Sayyidina Abu Hurairah رضي الله تعالى عنه again that, the, that he said I heard the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم say whoever made hajj and was didn't commit any act of indecency nor any act of profligacy, right? Yarfuth, Rafath has to do in particular with what? With the indecency with regards to sexual things. Um, and in Hajj, in Ihram, uh, that includes a lot more than it does normally. It includes innuendo and joking and in speech. It includes, uh, you know, the interaction between a husband and wife that's characteristic of a husband and wife, not just sexual intercourse, but other than that, that if a person, a man goes on hajj with his wife, his wife is like his sister to him for that time. Uh, and that's it. Anything else uh, that crosses that line is considered to be rafath. And uh, uh, fisq is then, uh, then the general category of sins. That whoever makes hajj and they didn't make rafath or fisq, no indecency nor, nor sin, a profligacy, that person will return from his hajj like the day his mother bore him, meaning free of sin free of sin which is a great which is a great uh, 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 reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one of the most beautiful athar is, uh, in our tradition is the one narrated by uh, I believe it's Sufyan al but I'm not 100% sure from one of the aslaf that uh, I think uh, Fudayl bin Iyad he made dua and he cried so much on the day of Arafat asking for Allah's forgiveness in Hajj and so he asked, he asked his elder, he said, you know, like, uh, you know, who, who, who's, who's the worst person in all of Arafat? And he said, what the worst person is the one who thinks that Allah didn't forgive him. That it's inappropriate on that day. So don't let this, you know, because someone's like, oh man, Hajj is like so long and like, there's like sin everywhere or whatever, right? Okay, Allah Ta'ala forgives forgiveness is for the person who doesn't commit the sins. But this is the target is that a person should be very careful not to waste um, not to waste their time and their money or whatever to try to do do better, right?
وعنه رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال العمرة إلى العمرة كفارة لما بينهما والحج المبرور ليس له جزاء إلا الجنة uh, that Abu Huraira said that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said that the time from one Umrah to the next is a kafara, uh, is a, an expiation for the sins that came between them. So, uh, you know, the explanation, one of the explanations for this also is that it's a sunnah mu'akkadah to make Umrah once a year. I shouldn't say sunnah mu'akkadah, it's a sunnah at any rate to make Umrah once a year. The Rasul did that until or unless prohibited by international relations. But the Rasul would make Umrah every year. Uh, and this may be like one of the parts of this understanding. Like going from Umrah to Umrah. It's not like, okay, you make Umrah after 20 years. And like, yep, 20, you know, it's, you know, from the Umrah from one Umrah to another, the, the Umrah from one Umrah to another is an expiation for the sins that's in between, that are in between. That the accepted Hajj, or according to the opinion of Nawi rahimullah ta'ala, uh, the Hajj Mabrur uh, is the Hajj in which no sin occurs. It has no, no reward or no wages except for Jannah, that the person who performs that, that that, that person Allah ta'ala should let them into Jannah. When Aishat radiallahu ta'ala anha, so this is an important hadith. Obviously, all of them are important, but this is a hadith that's, I guess, relevant to us in so many ways. And it has to do with more than just hajj. And Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha qalat, Qultu ya Rasulullahi nara al-jihad afdal al-amal. Afala nujahidu faqala, lakinna afdal al-jihadi hajjum mabrurun. Rawahu al-Bukhari. Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she said, I said, O Messenger of Allah, we see jihad as the most virtuous of actions, of deeds. What is it? Right? Again, we talked about jihad is and what it isn't in the past. There's no need to rehash it. So it is what it is. It's not like the whatever. My jihad is like waking up in the morning and making sure I don't eat carbs or whatever. Okay, yeah, that is also your jihad. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, good for you. That's not what's being talked about right now. You know, good luck. We, we we wish you well. You know, we're 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 pulling for you. We're rooting for you. You know, but like that's not what's being talked about here. Um, so she said it very explicitly for those people who wish to deny and wish to uh, you know make Islam into into like uh, some sort of like unpublished or unreleased episode of the Care Bears. Uh, um, you know, because the Care Bears don't really care. If they did, they would like. You know, they would have stopped the Nazis or whatever. Are you kidding me? You have like rain. You can like shoot a rainbow at stuff from your like stomach and like like desolate like Darth Vader or whatever. You couldn't have like stopped like wars and stuff. if you really cared, you would have, right? But you don't. It's all propaganda. It's fakery. It's all Dajjalic nonsense, right? What is Dajjalic? It's a it's a deception, right? So they must not have that much care in them, right? Or they're fake. So we're talking about the real world now. And so the Care Bears fakey Islam that like looks nice as a fictional cartoon, that's not what we're here for. That's not what we're, what, what we're here for. Some people like go to quote-unquote dars or to quote-unquote the masjid or to like conferences or whatever in order to hear that. 
you know, it's a type of weird Islamotainment. They want to hear the Care Bears Islam because, you know, it's, I don't know, it's entertaining for the kids. I don't know what it is. The bazaar is not, I have no idea, right? To me, that's a complete waste of time. If you want a nice bazaar, go to the mall. You don't have to go to the movies anymore. You can watch, like, everything ever filmed, like, in human existence on, like, YouTube now. Right? I don't I don't see any point to any of those things. But YouTube and the mall is not going to get you into Jannah, is it? So that's why we're here. So why not dispense with the pretense and get to the point? So she said what? She said, radiallahu ta'ala anha alayhi salam. She says, Ya Rasulullah, we see, we see that jihad is the most virtuous of deeds. So can, can we not also go on jihad? As a woman, she said, can we not also go on jihad? Right? That's her uh, ikhlas. Nowadays, the sisters like, why, why can't we give khutbah? Is the khutbah you're going to go to Jahannam for it. I'll tell you, like, you know, you know, no, 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 we're not. That sounds like my health care plan does not cover that. And uh, you see, you know, I'm trying to run for, uh, run for like Senate or whatever. It's not going to look good on my resume. And, uh, you know, my boyfriend's not into it. Right? Inshallah, she has a Muslim boyfriend. It's still okay. There's a way out still. So what did she say? She said that, she, can, why can't we like, should we not also go on jihad? Like, because this is this like thing, like we want to do this, we want to whatever, not give the khutbah or like, no, lead the prayer. No, let's, let, let's, let's, Cut the cut the small talk and like get to the get to the point here. So the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he he responded to her. He said, "Lakin al jihadi hajjum mabrur." He said that the the no, although it's mahdhuf, he didn't say it explicitly, but lakin right it's, it's idrak right. He says no, don't don't go ahead and fight, but uh, rather hajj the the best of jihad right is the most virtuous jihad is to struggle and exert yourself in making a an accepted hajj what an accepted hajj now this is again it's not a nafi or a negation of the idea that jihad has like a very great rank uh, uh, rather that would you know to interpret it that way would be a direct uh, uh, clash with the had two hadiths ago, the one that we read, in which there is a list of deeds that are most virtuous, and jihad in Allah Ta'ala's path is listed first, and then the hajj afterward, hajj mabrur after it. Here, he's giving the answer first, just, he's giving the answer for the women who are asking. For them, the best of deeds is what? Is a hajj mabrur. And in general, right, Saying that it's a really good deed for men and for it's a really good deed. It's not like okay, men go on jihad, women go on hajj. No, everyone goes on hajj, and it's a really good deed in general. And for the ladies, that's the the, the best of, of deeds. And there's the uh, hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that uh, was narrated by uh, both Nasai and Ibn Majah uh, that she said, "I asked the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam permission." to go on jihad and he said your jihad is hajj jihad kunna not just jihaduki not just you personally but your jihad meaning the 
the sisters of the Ummah of the Prophet Your jihad is what? Is to go on Hajj. And uh, the lafaz in particular of Nasa'i, as opposed to Ibn Majah, is that she said, Ya Rasulullah, uh, says, shall we not like go out and also uh, go on jihad with you? And the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, no, rather your jihad is in Hajj. And it's interesting, it's one of those things, right? The parallels between jihad and Hajj are very, there are a lot. That a person goes out from their home, they go through all these like foreign lands, and places where they're uncomfortable, they go through lack of sleep, they go through stress, they go through lack of food, they go, go through lack of drink, even with all of the modern comforts. I mean, imagine in the old days, if you're going to make a hajj from like Morocco, you have to go through like so many different countries, no matter what the route is. Or if you go by sea, that's itself like a really crazy experience as well. And, uh, you know, there's danger involved and there's, there's all sorts of like difficulties that happen people didn't used to make it back home but even today it's not easy it's not a cakewalk you know for the whatever now it's like up to like 11 twelve thousand dollars a cost for hajj or whatever i mean you can have a pretty awesome vacation for that amount of money if you forget about like you know it's not that far from makabukarama you just go to dubai instead and blow 12 12 grand on that vacation you'll live it up you'll enjoy people will be like waiting hand and foot on you you know i mean it's gonna be a day and night difference for the amount of money you spent. Whereas you're going to go to Hajj and oh my God, don't get me started. Americans, oh, you know, like they did fraud with me. I paid for gold star, five star, this and that. And you know, oftentimes it's not even the, it's not even the real Americans, right? Who are doing it, right? So somebody with the ink on their green card didn't even dry yet. We paid for this one and the other one, he lied to us cheating. And it's like, I'm American. You don't sound like an American. You don't look like an American. Like, I don't know. Like screaming in lines to like let them cut and go forward and like trying to flash their passport or whatever. And it's like, yo, this is Hajj. Just calm down. Just chill out. Just calm down. And it's because it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, you know. Like practically speaking, when there's already like 10,000 buses filled with people, your bus might be like a couple minutes late on the same, like going from the same one place to the other, right? It's, it's going to happen. And so that's a, a, a way of putting yourself through that level. Of, and people die in Hajj as well, by the way. By the way, people die in Hajj. The amount of danger that's there doesn't necessarily even need to be less than the danger of jihad. There's no, nothing more dangerous than like fatality. It happens in Hajj. It happens on the way to Hajj. It happens during Hajj as well. Uh, you guys will remember, uh, you gentlemen will remember, I think 2014, there was that crush of pilgrims. I avoided it by like less than 10 minutes. And when I was going through it, like I heard about it later, but when I was going through it, I mean like, and I'm, I'm not a small guy. You know, at that time I weighed like about 50, 60 pounds more than I do right now also, right? And I was still feeling crushed, you know? And I'm thinking like, you know, like there's like some like someone's daddy is like her head comes up to here on me, like and I'm having to like look up to breathe because that's how compact it is. I'm just wondering like and when you put, duck your head a little bit and you go down to the level of other people, all of a sudden like it becomes so much more humid and the air like is like so so much less breathable, you know? And I'm like, I'm having a hard time. This must be horrible. And then the thought crossed my mind, you know, at the like the drop of a hat, you know, this all could like people could die in this. Then I'm like, Oh, it's Hajj, it wouldn't happen. And I went through, 
and then I found out afterward, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, they're saying that, like, you know, you know, 15 people died or whatever, but I think they're just exaggerating. It turned out it was like hundreds, if not over a thousand people that died in that crash, right? And I don't want to go, go into whose fault. It was almost definitely complete mismanagement. We can go through that, but the point is not to point fingers or blame. At any rate, those who died in the Hajj, they're, uh, you know, a day will come when it will look good for them. And a day will come that a person whose criminal negligence or intentionality will be paid for. And uh, it's not your job as a pilgrim to like go into all of that, right? But the issue is, is that it happens. It happens. People die. People get sick. You know, if you're in a country where you don't know where the hospital is or what the name of medicine is in a different place or you don't have a doctor or you come from some weird village somewhere, which inevitably all of us, our forefathers came from some weird village somewhere, right? Uh, you know, there are villages where, you know, like Humam, you're like, oh, Urdu, I don't get, I don't understand Urdu, right? There are some villages in which, like, the people in that province, the uneducated ones, don't know Urdu. But they know some other local language. That's not their own. And then there's the guys who don't even know that language. Those people are the ones who go to Hajj, obviously, if you have some sort of health issue or whatever. How are you going to explain to someone that you need dialysis or, like, insulin or whatever, right? So people die. Uh, so this is, this, is, this is what it is. But the art of, like, being captured, the honor of our sisters being captured by the enemy and then used as a uh, bargaining chip or whatever, that's not there. So if a woman wants to go through those experiences, and the thing is, you don't have to like die or like get sick in order to get a lot of reward or even exert yourself in Hajj. Because in Hajj, there's always there's always something more to do and something better to do. Um, so you can exert yourself that way and there's always somebody to help who needs help. Sometimes helping people, it can be the most exasperating experience as well. Because it's really hard and people get into really big problems. And you don't know what it is. Like sometimes it's, I think it's just worth it to go on that trip to go and buy a carton of like, I don't know, juice or cup of noodles or like even just bottled water. And you see people who are completely exasperated out of like dehydration or out of like they're like about to pass out or whatever and they don't have any money. People get their money raw. I mean, all sorts of things happen, right? You just distribute. You don't know which one of those people, you know, their hedge is going to be accepted or whatever. And so you're like. three quarters of a real or whatever, like bought you like more edger than another man's like million dollar donation is going to buy. Right. So there's always people to help. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. Uh, and it's free from, it's free from the, from the other dangers of, of actually going and fighting the enemy. So Ibn Allah, he mentions this because this is important to talk about. We live in an age that is not only uh, adab denying, but it also denies that there are differences between men and women. And surprise, surprise, you know, society is breaking down. People don't keep relationship with their kinsfolk anymore. Nobody's having children anymore. You know, social security is going to go bankrupt because there's no one to pay into it. And a lot of people would get, you know, take out of it. And, uh, you know, gay marriage is not going to help that process at all. And it's just all these things are breaking down. Why? Because we deny what the difference between men in between women is and so uh, there is some uh, you know some some addition that needs to be made here muqal al muhallabu hadha bayyinun ala anna qawlahu ta'ala wa qarna fi buyutikunna laysa ala al fardh li mulazimat al buyut 
so th- this this hadith is a uh, a clear proof that the ayah of waqarna fi buyutikunna is not farḍ in all cases so the ayah in surah tul ahzab waqarna fi buyutikunna wala tabarrajna tabarraj al-jahiliyah al-ula that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he said to the uh, the the women of the ummah that stay firm in your houses qarar means to like be like like settled in a place be settled and firm in your houses and don't go out uh, in tabarruj the the tabarruj of the ancient jahiliya the ancient age of ignorance what is tabarruj uh, burj means what? It means exposure. Burj means like a tower, and it also means the stars. The stars are exposed at night. There's no cover between the heavens and the earth. So that's one of the reasons that they're called buruj, buruj, right? And the same thing, for example, like a a, a tower or a fortress is or is called what is called a burj. Why? Because it's there's no there's no, nothing between it and the sky. It's like kind of stands out. Uh, in the landscape between it and the, the heavens and the sky. Whenever you have this two ta's with a fatha, you can drop the first one, you can omit it. Uh, and so that's what's happening here, right? That, that it's, it's a custom of the Arabs, I assume it's mostly for ash'ar, uh, but it, it occurs then in normal speech as well, that don't expose yourself like the exposure of the jahiliyat al-ula. Look at the tafsir, what is meant by, you know, there's a number of aqwal. The important one from the aqwal is what? Is that the Arabs, during the, the, the part of their, the more recent part of their history, there's a part of their history in which it was like Ad and Thamud, in which the Arabian Peninsula was lush and green and full of, life and full of natural resources and itself like a type of paradise on earth that was a long time ago the oil what the you know the oil resources the petrochemicals basically what it's all that organic matter that like filtered into the land at some point or another that that area was lush and green and tail end of that 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 greenery in the arab peninsula before it became arid and uh, desert sit up it, uh, um, it, it, the tail end of it, human beings inhabited that, right? And so the Jahilit al-Ula was what is described that in that era, in that age, uh, the women used to go out, for example, a woman would wear a shirt made out of pearls, which would not cover her sides, and that, that didn't cover her body either. And she would walk in the middle of the street in order to get attention from men. Now, the fact that we can even... Don't try too hard, but we can even visualize what this would look like. And it's probably something people wear nowadays. I mean, it's not normal, but it is something that people aspire to wear. Or people wish they would be able to wear something like that and look good and attract attention or whatever. They aspire to it. It's not a good sign. It's a bad sign. And so this is part of the the the, the goodness and the closeness to the fitrah of the Arabs. Is that because they had to live in hard times. Right, the second jahiliya is what the one afterward when now they're in the desert and there's just not a whole lot, so you can't. You know, they had ignorance about them, but some of these uh, type of uh, uh, 
uh, lavish uh, things. They couldn't afford to do them because life was so meager, survival was so difficult. Uh, and so the, the idea is what? Is to stay inside of your houses and don't go out and try to mimic the, the, the ancient, the jahili of the ancient ones. And Qurtubi uh, Rahimullah uh, he mentions and narrates a number of a number of incidences from uh, the Aslaf with regards to this. He says with regards to Aisha, say the Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, that when she would hear or, or say this ayah, her eyes would well up with tears and she would weep until her khimar was wet. Um, and there's like a long story for that also mentioned, uh, which is that she also regretted going out on the waqiatul jamal, which is really interesting because a lot of like, like modern feminist, again, disclaimer, which is that feminism, if it means that our sisters should be treated fairly and should be rendered their rights and should be treated with dignity, then that's not what I'm talking about right now. That's good. That's part of deen. No one's, no one in their right mind should ever object to that. That's a sin to object to. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like the more like weird like module of the modernist philosophical project, which is there to say that a woman is not going to be uh, not going to receive her rights until she's treated like a man or some permutation thereof, right? Uh, so, in the module of like modern feminism, oh look, you know, like this is just all cultural stuff of like Indians and Pakistanis. Why? Because look, Aisha went out and participated in battle. You go, girl. Like no, the reason she used she wept so much that until her because she considered that to be a mistake, and her Nia wasn't to go out to join battle. By the way, her Nia was that that she should participate in a process that will end in sunnah, that will rectify something that she felt was wrong. And she rec- regretted it. Why? Because it didn't end up like that, right? It ended up very badly, in fact. It ended in a lot of fighting, strife, and killing. And, uh, and then she, she would weep because this, this, this ayah was like, what? To stay at home. And so she would weep. And no one's going to say that somehow or another she's not like, you know, liberated or doesn't have freedom or whatever. What? It's a, an honest human being that doesn't care about like 2022 identity politics. Just looking over their own life and weeping over their mistakes. That a lot, I gave me this opportunity to protect myself. And, you know, if I'd known now what I, if I'd known now what I knew then, then I would have taken it. That's all, right? Not even necessarily that what she when she went out it was a mistake because she didn't intend any of that, but she was just recognizing that there would have been khair in staying home. And uh, it's narrated about Sauda, Sayyidah Sauda bin Zam'a radiallahu ta'ala anha, the Ummah Mu'mineen, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa that the Ummahatul Mu'mineen, when they would go on Hajj and Umrah, because they went on Hajj and Umrah, it said that Sayyidah Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu in the last year before he was assassinated radiallahu anhu, that he, he actually specially took money from the Beit al-Mal in order to sponsor the Hajj of every one of the Ummahatul Mu'mineen. But when they would go out, she would not go. And so they, someone asked her, why, why do you not go out for Hajj and why do you not go for Umrah with your sisters, meaning the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, the mothers of the believers? أن أقر في بيتي قال الراوي فوالله ما خرجت من حجرتها that she didn't come out from her, her, her room 
um, from the door of her room, except for when her janaza was brought out. So this is what the understanding of our aslaf was. Again, the fiqh is what a woman can go out if she needs to go out and do something, right? But the point is, is that the tabarruj is to go out and expose yourself and to garner attention and attract attention. This was not the practice of the uh, of the believers, and it's a sound, it's a sound practice. Qadi Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi, the Qadi Bishbiliya of Spain, who is madfun outside of the walls of the city of Fas, rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, he mentions that in his uh, safar, he said, I never saw, and I'm mentioning this in particular, mashallah, none of them are here, inshallah, so, if, you know, فَلْيُبَلِّغَ أَشَّهْدُ الْغَائِبِ He said that the, the, the women that I saw that have the most ifa and the most son, siyana, that are the most the, the ones that are most per, honorable in this way. That they didn't they didn't used to go out and they did not used to show themselves off and they did not used to you know like do all of these things and they kept this commandment uh, to the point of like their virtue. Were the women of Nablus? Nablus now is like I guess famous for Kunafa. But uh, Qadi Abu Bakr mentioned that Nablus, this is the place where he, according to what he said, this is the place where Sayyidina Ibrahim salam was thrown into the fire. He said that the that Nablus, the women of Nablus, he says that you, you won't see any one of them <coughs> out of their home except for on the day of Jumu'ah, that they would go in order to, uh, uh, in order to attend the Jumu'ah and, uh, uh, and Right once the salam is said, they would leave and go back to their homes, and you wouldn't see them again till the next week. And he said that I know from amongst them so many women, pious women, who made itikaf in the Beitul Maqdis until they were martyred. And so I had to look up what is that. And uh, Qadi Abu Bakr, he was, I think, something like 27 or so. His travels were when he was young, right? He was 27 or so when the Crusaders sieged. Uh, Al-Quds al-Sharif And so this is what This is the, the, the original culture of Islam Because the two great desolations of the Ummah Were what? Were the Crusaders In the western lands And the Mongols in the east All the cities The major cities Not all of them But a majority of the major cities Are rebuilt After being like sacked And destroyed by one or the other Maybe both So this is the original The original culture of the Muslims Is that women used to stay at home Again Not to say that It's haram to go out for some need or some benefit, because they used to obviously do that. But the point is, if all other things are equal, you should prefer staying at home. This is not a popular thing to say nowadays. And to a lot of people, it's not going to make sense. Why? Because the mistaken mafhum, the, 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 the mistaken uh, idea is that what men and women are the same, 100%. Yes, there are many things that are the same between them. But there are some things that are different. And so this is why Allah Ta'ala in his hikmah, right? What is the what is the commandment? And this 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 address is for what? It's for the wives of the believers. There are many women they'll say, Well, that ayah is only for the wives of the believers, not for us. Right? Have you heard that one before? And Qurtubi Rahimullah Ta'ala mentions he goes, the, the proof against that is what? The same the, the next line within the same ayah. Right? The next like Phrase within the same ayah. It's like the same sentence. That what the opposite of of qarar fil bayt is what tabarruj, and tabarruj is described as the sifa of what the jahiliyat al ula, 
So you cannot say that, oh, the, that, you know, this is only for the wise of the believers. Everybody else is allowed to like act like a jahil. Everybody else is, act, you know, this, this ayah isn't necessarily a proof that you can't be a jahil. No, you can't be a jahil. Like you can't. You can't act like ignorant, like a rowdy ignoramus, right? No, you can't. The whole point of Islam is that you don't want to in the first place, right? Not that it's an idea that I want to, but Allah stopped me. No, you should, you're not supposed to want to. If you want to, at least recognize that it's a problem. You're still, there's something to work with there. Can't you translate the ayah? Right, he says that, that stay, stay, in, stay in your homes. And don't go out, don't expose yourself to other people like they, the, the ancient people of Jahiliyyah used to. That like, you know, that, that a woman would wear like, and there's so many, there's like, a, there's so many ayat and there's so many ahadith with regards to this, right? That the jahiliyat al-ula, like we mentioned, that a woman would wear like a, 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 like a sheet of pearls that was open from the sides and that would not cover her. Or for example, there's the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that I was shown from the people of the hellfire, kasiyat, uh, ariyat, that women that are wearing clothes but are naked. And the, the technical difference between them is what? Is that, uh, uh, is that the, the, the kiswa is that something is on them, but it's not libas. It's not technically libas. It's not covering them. And, uh, or for example, there's the hadith Qurtubi brings about the, uh, about the Rasul Sallallahu that someone asked about a dream in which I saw women who's, who were wearing clothes that were, were what? That did not cover them until just their, their, like, their breasts, or some of them, they were even like, less than that, it wasn't covering them. And so he said that this is a sign that, the, that you know, the, the, in the dream, this is a, a symbol, it's a metaphor for not having any fear of God. Why? Because libas taqwa, libas is the metaphor for taqwa, for the fear of Allah Ta'ala, right? So anything, right, any gap in which tabarruj uh, is going out with a gap in which you expose yourself as a woman. With men, that's not celebrated. You understand what I'm saying? If a man walked out like that, people like are disgusted by it. Even other men are disgusted by it. Even the messed up men who enjoy that, right? It's a sign of their dominance over them. It's not a sign of power or influence or a good thing, even with them. It's a sign that the person is basically like a slave in the worst way possible. Not even in, a, in one of the few ways that's even worse than like what we think of as slavery in the American historical context, right? Uh, it's not a good. It's not a good sign, and so he said that the the tabaruj is described as jahiliyyah and the 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 fil bayt is described as what as something good, just because the khitab of the ayah, just because the ayah is addressing the wives of the Prophet doesn't mean that the commandment is only for them. Rather, they're addressed because of their honor amongst all other women, but it's for all of the women of the ummah because all of them are honored, and the explicit mention in the prohibition of not going out in the jahiliyatul ula the fact that it's described as jahiliyyah means that it's something that all all the women of islam should avoid sarf nahu right this ayah is read as qarna fi biyutikunna in nafi' and in the kufan riwayas sorry in, in sorry asin the other qurra they all read it waqirna fi biyutikunna what is this verb this verb is aqarra yuqirru, but it's a special usage. There's takhfif that's made of one of the two ra's, which happens in certain words in order to make them easier to pronounce, right? 
Why? Because qirat is actually qirat, but it's hard to say, so it became qirat, right? Dinar is actually dinar, but it's hard to say dinar, so it becomes dinar. What's the proof of that? Like many sarfic mysteries, the solution is unveiled when you look at the jama'at, the plural, right? Because what's the plural of the dinar? Dananir. Dananir, not dayanir, right? So that's what that explanation is. A person may read it a hundred times, not understand what it is, or just take it for granted. But there's actually a really long discussion about all these things in which like, so, someone claims something and the other person thrashes them for making that claim. And it's, it's interesting and wonderful. You should read, about, re- read up about them. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. That's why I love darses. It gives me a chance to look them up uh, for the first time or again, as it may be. So Allah Ta'ala give all of us tawfiq. The point is, is what? That the happiness of a, a, a man is in being a man. And the happiness of a woman is in being a woman. If you try to be something that you're not, it's just going to bring you... It's going to bring you the same type of misery like a person who tries to use a knife in order to like... I don't know, pull screws out of a wall, right? Like it might work once or twice, but at some point you'll break it. Why? Because that's not what it's for. Because that's not what it's for. And so that's the issue is that with, with the, the, you know, with the whole issue of like weird, like gender uh, uh, freestyling that is the fashion of the day then people wonder why everybody is so like upset and unhappy about a lot of stuff. And it's like, yeah, you're not going to help anybody. Okay, if you have issues, like for example, like a woman is being treated poorly by somebody, um, it, the solution to that is to fix the problem of the poor treatment or to put someone far away from the harm of that poor treatment. It's not to completely upend like, uh, upend, uh, uh, you know, certain facts about biological or uh, uh, physiological reality and uh, this is this is a fact in Islam what the, the more virtuous for, is for a woman to stay home if she's able to in all things and there's permission to go out there's permission to go out to get an education there's permission to go out and to work if you need to support yourself there's permission to uh, you know, go out and visit family visit friends there is permission to do all sorts of things even maybe this nablus uh, example, maybe somebody from India will say, oh, we don't allow stuff allowed. They allow women in the masjid to hear Jamar or whatever. We don't even allow that. Okay, fine. Like, but your women do so- other stuff, right? Like, you know, what are your women doing the rest of the... I don't know. Maybe the people in Nablus will look down on them. The point is, is what? The, per, the Sharia gives ijazat for all sorts of things. And this ayah of Qarna, well, Qarna fi buyutikuna, doesn't mean that you just like, that's it, you're exiled at home. You'll never see the light of day again. You're bow-legged auntie with rickets because you never saw the sunlight ever, you know, a day after, you know, you hit puberty or whatever. That's not what the point is. It's explicitly mentioned that there are exemptions for it. But the tasawwur that needs to be corrected is what? Is that somehow the value of a woman is in, in going out and being exposed. Whereas it's in fact, in fact, completely the opposite. And if a woman has to go out, because she has to earn a living. She doesn't, you know, for her, for her children, you know, for, for the sake of her health or for the sake of her parents or for the sake of God knows any number of Sharia countenance issues or because she just doesn't want to sit still at home. Maybe she doesn't like being at home. She's like, that's all good and stuff, Sheikh. But also the Sharia says you should fast and I didn't see you fast one day last month, right? So like, that's your problem, right? At least I, it's a valid thing if they want to say it, right? Because it's easy to talk about the piety of other people, but then when it turns to the piety of ourselves, all of us all of a sudden, like, we switch the, switch the, the flavor of the dialogue all of a sudden, right? All of us do it. Okay, okay, look, that's fine. 
I'll give you all of that, right? And not what I'll give you. You have all of that. It's not. I don't. Have, it's not for me to give or not give. You have all of this in your right. All I'm saying is, if somebody described to me, right, a man who fasted every day of his life except for the Eidain and the days that he, you know, is not supposed to fast, I would say, Mashallah, that's pretty awesome. Allah Ta'ala accept from him. You know, go make dua for me. I'd like to meet such a person, right? It's a good thing. Whereas if someone said, oh, such and such woman, she's so pious, she stays at home, doesn't go out when she doesn't need to. Everyone would be like, oh, Meskina, she's oppressed and depressed and suppressed and repressed and, you know, uh, you know, she's this and, that, and it's backwards and stuff for a lot and this is Ice Age and the Snow Age and Stone Age and this and that and, uh, you know, like dinosaur or whatever. Like, you say whatever you want. Okay, khalas, you know, you want to be modern? You know, it's more, what's more modern than going out in a shirt, you know, made of pearls that... You can see through and that has no sides in the middle of the street and everybody's looking at you, right? You would think like, wow, like if I could do that, right? I'm not pretty enough to get away with it, but and thank the Lord, right? If I could do that, I would get like a million views on TikTok. That would be awesome. That's Jahiliya. They did that like Ad and Thamud back when there was like rivers in the Arabian Peninsula. Like it's not new. That's also a paradigm. If you look forward to it, then that's a different path. It ends up somewhere different. Whereas this is a thing you should at least have inside of your mind, you know, like as a woman or as a man, because oftentimes women do things because of their expectations from men. If a woman knows that she's not going to get married by anyone except for like, you know, like she'll get a, a good money-making, strong, handsome-looking husband, you know, uh, uh, who's charming and whatever, but he's going to make her, I don't go out without hijab, like, I'll marry you, but you can't wear hijab around my family. Or like, I'll wear, marry you, but you have to like do X, Y, Z, haram thing. You know, it's a fitna. Women say, yeah, not necessarily because they want to like flout the sharia, but they, they also want to get married, right? <clears throat> so men for us also, it's good to be like, oh, look, this is a good thing, you know? Why? Because then the, 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 you know, if someone, you know, your wives, mashallah, who love you so much and look up to you and are charmed by you, mashallah, and listen to stuff you say, uh, that, that, that it will influence them and make them feel better about that, you know, even if they don't, not that decision, but at least the idea, they'll feel better about it, that it's not a bad idea. And the rest of it, you know, life is weird. It makes people do all sorts of weird things. Allah Ta'ala save us in our iman, you know, and get us through until our last moment, you know, that we have our iman with us. Otherwise, weird things happen in the middle. We shouldn't be too harsh and too judgmental. But the one place where, like, inflation cannot harm you and the one place where you don't have to wear a mask because of covid and the one place where neither trump is president nor biden the one place where like you're completely unassailable you know is inside of your heart that place if you abandon your dean it's because you wanted to nobody forced you to do it they can force you to say stuff they can force you to do stuff they can force you to get have habits they can force you to do all sorts of stuff but inside the heart no one can force you to do anything you don't want inside the heart in that place a person should say yeah if a woman like had an option to go out and stay home and she chose to stay home this is a good thing and allah ta'ala knows best